0: Ferguson they put you through the mill into injury time almost lost the cup and you win it the new european champions the treble the dream come true for you i can't believe it i can't believe it football by the hell one last corner perhaps to
1: survive beckham to swing this one in again sharing it with the with the goal for Manchester United. Great run here by Ryan Giggs. Oh, what a goal! Would you believe it? Ryan Giggs could have taken Manchester United to Wembley. It's gone right to the final whistle on the final day of the league season. And Manchester United are the pick of the Premiership once again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Teams of Our Lives, these are the teams of our lives you happy
0: now andy you happy
1: now
0: um, i'm very happy marcus um andy like brassell take-
1: andy Brassel. <laughs> he gets so lonely lo- i'm just gonna do <laughs> oh you're gonna take me <laughs> oh, no,
0: that wasn't anything <laughs> Well, look, I'm. I'm really glad that incorporating listener feedback also means incorporating feedback from me. It's yeah. very thoughtful of you. Extremely very thoughtful, thoughtful of
1: you, Andy. Today, we've got a blockbuster of a side. It is. Oh, yeah. It is the Manchester United treble-winning season side under that guy, Alex Ferguson. I don't think he'd been knighted at that point. No new -er. so he's going to be referred to as that peasant fergie
0: (laughs) 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 typical Um, anti-aberdeen agenda (laughs) i I tell you vish wouldn't stand for it vish would not stand for it vish doesn't know anything about
1: aberdeen he went to university in edinburgh of course he did um but that's about it
0: uh i've never even (laughs) been to aberdeen have
1: you been to aberdeen andy
0: no, I've not. I've I've been to see them play, but away at Dundee United. Yeah, I've been to Dundee United as well. Winston Churchill's
1: old stomping ground, of course. Um, but uh, but anyway, enough of that bollocks, ladies and
0: gentlemen. Yeah, uh, that's uh, next week's podcast, <laughs> uh, Marcus Speller's Scotland rant. <laughs> Um, MPs you didn't think uh, uh,
1: (laughs) worked in Dundee Um, No, uh, yes, Manchester United, treble winning season Andy, this is one of the most iconic teams in recent years in England You could say ever, really Uh, Absolutely incredible Uh, Great players, great moments um, Great goals And... A season that no one can ever forget. A treble winning season, I think we've mentioned this before. A treble winning season used to be a very rare thing. It still is, of course. But because yeah. we had a few recently in the last, say, 10, 12 years with Bayern and Barcelona, in fact, Bayern twice, I think, uh, it's it, it, we're in danger of it being slightly watered down. Whereas when Manchester United won theirs, you had Celtic in the 60s, Ajax in the 70s, PSV in the 80s, and Manchester United in the 90s uh you know in men's football that was was what it was you know it would mm. it'd usually come once a decade and it's still not far off that of course but it's, it's very very rare and manchester united they'd they'd been fairly dominant in england i think it's fair to say i don't want to say well you could say dominant i suppose
0: but they were the, they were the biggest club of the, yeah. the opening 10 years of the premier league but they'd and never um, but they'd never quite yeah.
1: got it in europe um and that was the big no. thing this season, Andy. they have done the double in England, and this season they went and they bloody well won the Champions League. But what, I mean, as soon as I say treble winners, Manchester United 98, 99, what, what immediately conjures up? What sort
0: of feelings and thoughts are, leap to mind? Well, what I think is remarkable about this Manchester United side is um, all but the most blinkered fans have got to have some admiration for this side. Yeah. Because... Um, the, they weren't just incredibly good. Mm. They are incredibly good to watch. Yes. Um, Which I think is worth underlining. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes I think um, we, as I've said, I suspect a lot in in, in football, we look at the result and work backwards for justification Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily looking at the content of what actually happened. Yeah. I don't think we could do that with this Manchester United because if you boil it down to the Champions League and we'll come to the... Mm -hmm the whole season as well, I think, because mm-hmm. bear in mind Arsenal were double winners in ninety-eight. Yeah. You know, it was it was not a given that United were gonna go and win well, the well, title a in, bloody in good this Arsenal season. side. A really a really really good Arsenal side in the first flush of Arsen Wenger as well. And it's is when the United Arsenal rivalry is mm-hmm. really starting to become special the special rivalry yeah of the the premier league years still i think yeah um for 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 so many reasons for for the players um for the for the grit for the personalities all all that so to to win the the double was not given and we'll 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 come to that in in a little bit but talking of united style in the champions league Mm. they um they were not the best team in the final but they were definitely the best team of the Champions League as a whole mm-hmm. and the most exciting team of the Champions League as a whole. I mean, how many Champions League winners can you look back upon? and just reel off half of the group matches yeah, straight off because there were so many classics in there. They were so exciting.
1: Andy, I'm, so, I'm glad you mentioned that group because if you look at um, that, uh, that first round group they were in, and of course they had to play a preliminary match to get into the Champions League, mm. which is quite uh, funny to, to think of. They were in a group with Bayern, Barcelona and Bromby. They only won two out of six and both of them were against mm. Bromby. They never actually beat Bayern or Barcelona in the group. No. But they finished second. They were unbeaten, of course. They conceded 11 goals in those six games, but they scored 20. A plus nine goal average. I mean, phenomenal. Now, yes, a lot of those goals came against Bronby, 11 of them to to be Mm. precise. But you had the two three alls against Barcelona, which were phenomenal games games of football. You had a, a, a good two all away at Bayern and then... At home against Bayern, one all. I think that was a, a rare sign of of a mature performance where they thought, okay, I think they went 1-0 up in that game. It's kind of like, okay, let's just play this out. A draw is fine. We can get through with a draw and, and yes. let's do that, which was, again, um, a rare non-swashbuckling moment for that Manchester yeah. United side. But they had goals everywhere on on the pitch. But I'd like to start, Andy, with the very, very opening game of that season, of the Premier League season. Um Manchester United, 2-0 down to Leicester City and by no means the Leicester City post-title win, uh, by the way. Um, They were at home and they needed two late goals, one from Sheringham and a trademark Beckham free kick. And it's easy to forget when you talk about this trouble win inside. Beckham was public enemy number one at that point. The sending off against Argentina in the Mm. World Cup. Um, and and he'd come into the season. He was extremely disliked, and Ferguson said, "You know, we'll make Manchester your sanctuary, uh, of course. Um, yes, uh, and and we'll make this this uh, you know a real sort of fortress for you." And and Beckham could have. He, we would subsequently realise he's not that type of character, and I think this season was a big part of that. He could have shrunk, and and that would have been a great shame, and he wouldn't have formed one of the best sort of midfield fours, if you like, in gigs. Keane, Skulls, and Beckham. Um, mm. And it showed you again the spirit that side had with each other.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think Beckham particularly, um, his uh, bravery really in dealing with all that was, mm. was something pretty incredible. Um, because the way in which the English public um, switched from Diego Simeone cheated to get him sent off to he's an idiot who cost us the World Cup, let's throw him under the bus. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it just happened in the blink of an eye, really. And as you say, the public pressure, the tabloid pressure um, from the start of that season was something that was would have at least set back a lot of players, mm. um, whereas he just got on with it. And he's been gracious enough never to really extensively complain about it in in in. The subsequent years which you know I, I can think at the time even if you're dealing with it remember like when they went to a west ham you know th- there was an effigy of him it yeah. was displayed i mean it was it was awful as as well as banners songs all all, mm-hmm. all the rest of it um but the way that he just turned the other cheek and mm-hmm. and, and got on with it and played really really well that season mm-hmm. and he had crucial moments in so many of those big games as yeah. we get to the back end of the season as as, as well it's, it's amazing thinking now as you say Marcus I'm glad you brought it up what a, a huge thing it was mm. and how it seemed like this sort of maze of anger that he could never get out of mm. and now no one ever mentions it it's as yeah. if it never happened yeah. because his reputation Inside football and outside football is gilded to such a point that it it, it just seems that it was yeah. almost from someone else's lifetime. I mean, he played fifty three times that
1: season in all competitions. You know, nine goals yeah. he scored as well. But that's again, I know. I know that you you could say that about a few people who have gone on treble winning or or you know gone very very far. But it shows you again that kind of never say die attitude that 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 he had. Yeah, um, but back in the league. Uh, Early on in the season, Manchester United lost three 0 to Arsenal, who were champions, and uh, and it showed you that the the, the the task that was um, that that was that would be in winning the league, and yeah. I mean they won the league with seventy nine points, which is not a huge tally. No, it's not. Um, they conceded thirty seven goals in the process, which was way more than Arsenal in second, who only conceded seventeen. It was more than Chelsea in third and Leeds in fourth, but they scored eighty, which was a lot more than anyone else. And that is mm. the, the the kind of one of the things. It was the old expression: "We'll outscore you." Yeah, you may score a few against us, but we'll score at least one more. <laughs> you know, we, in fact, a few more, or on some occasions. Yeah.
0: And I think the the Roy Keane role in in, in that midfield you mm. mentioned is, is is really important because. Um, As you say, it just trips off the tongue. Most of this United side Mm -hmm. trips off the tongue because it is such an iconic team in the history of um, recent history, particularly of English football. But, you know, people talk about Roy Keane now as one of um, the best defensive midfielders Mm. um, in in, in the Premier League era. He didn't arrive at Manchester United as a defensive midfielder. You know, there was something... It seemed like fate that he would sign for Manchester United because... He, he had that brian robsonness about him mm-hmm. i think um the, the power with which he he sprung into the penalty box when he was a nottingham forest player was was something else but of course with the parts around him at manchester united in that midfield who else is who else is doing it mm. you know his intelligence
1: um, is often overlooked as a footballer yes, this idea totally. about him being the hard man and go yeah of course he was all that very intelligent player
0: yeah and i think he sort of assumed this sort of almost de facto role of the most defensive of those players Mm. um because he's inside andy because he's exactly because he's a leader and because he's a good tackler which paul skulls next to him (laughs) for for all his wonderful gifts never learned how to tackle Mm. and um that's why he ended up with so many Right, sort of unusual bookings really <laughs> seeing because skulls when go was... into a slide tackle you'll be like oh no, Paul, no. <laughs> <laughs> and not just because of that greetings card in which he popped out of course <laughs> but yeah i mean if you
1: look at that side again you've got I, you wouldn't be able to play a side you, you wouldn't be able to field a side like that now not possible it's no. just not possible and again i think that side was of its time but I don't think that takes it away. I don't think I don't look at them and think, "Oh, that's very dated," per se, because that's often a, mm-hmm. a bit of a criticism. I just think that that Ferguson had such attacking flair and such hard workers that again, it was, "Well, we'll outscore you. Mm-hmm. We will back ourselves. Yeah, that you will be able to get at us a little bit, and you will be able to get behind us." But we, we're going to have you, uh, whether it be on the counter attack or just kind of whipping mm. balls into the box, driving runs. And when you got a, a, a very likable partnership with Andy Cole and Dwight York, who just loved playing with each other up front <laughs> and scoring the goals, and, and mm. how many spectacular uh, overhead kicks and bicycle kicks they scored—they were there they was the joy on their faces as they played was infectious.
0: Yeah, they were absolutely amazing. Um, I, I thought you were going to make a, a joke there involving Teddy Sheringham and uh, likableness with Andy Cole. <laughs> um, we well, had Sheringham well, and Solskjaer who was sort of yeah. this
1: partnership, but often on the bench. But at times, you know,
0: yeah. But uh, I, I think like... that 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 again is the, the first time really in the Premier League era where you get that kind of attacking depth, mm. that ability to that like now we, we always have it in our heads. That you should have four strikers to pick from. Mm. Most teams play one up front. You yeah. don't need that, <laughs> but it's it's kind of like etched in your head from what Manchester United had that season. That the options that they had, obviously the options that turned out to be absolutely vital for them in the in in the back end of that season and and particularly the big games. But I think to 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 go through this treble bit by bit, mm. I think you, you you talked about it with the Leicester game at the beginning never any bit of it was easy, despite how Mm -hmm. effortless Manchester United made their attacking football look. Um, As you say, they only qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League by being one of the best runners-up at the time. So Mm. it was just the group winners and then the two best runners-up, which from memory were them and Real Madrid. Um, Because, as you said, they Mm -hmm. drew four out of the six games in in, in the groups. Everything they had to go through in the FA Cup... Mm -hmm. They even had to come from a goal down on the final day of the Premier League yep. against Spurs. That's right. like, none of it was done the easy way. I've, I think if you think of all the, the trebles, and as you say, there are a few to pick from now. You know you look at uh, Bayern twice, Inter, um, you know, all the times it's uh, Barcelona, all the times it's been done in, in, in recent European football history. Not only was it more rare, but they did about two seasons worth of work to win those trophies. Mm. Yeah, that's
1: right. I think Ferguson, you know, the the Champions League had always eluded him. You remember watching Manchester United in the the early to mid-90s where they would go to the new Camp, they would get battered, they would play big sides, Mm. they they would get beaten and Ferguson was was trying to figure it out. He he, he had great success in England winning the leagues and, and FA Cups and so on. And he was trying to figure it out, and then suddenly, you know, they would get through the group, and then they, they, Juventus would be a thorn in their side, or yeah. uh, you know, not a thorn in their side. They would beat them, you know, and uh, but then in sort of uh, I forget now was it ninety six ninety seven where they beat Juventus in in the group, or I, I can't remember when, but they beat them, and it felt like oh hang on the monkeys off the back, and they started progressing. And and they started going far, and they would get mm. quarterfinals, semifinals. But again, you kind of knew that they were still inferior to one or two sides. Whereas this Manchester United side, they 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 they, they burst through that ceiling, and yeah, and 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 in in those games where they went to the new camp, yeah, they they drew those games, of course, but they didn't lose, and and. I mean, the game at Old Trafford, Beckham scores one of my favourite free kicks of all time yeah. in that game. It's absolutely, I think um, old uh, uh, Ron Atkinson uh, says on the COCOMs, you know, well, I think the lottery ticket, the lottery winners came up on the screen or something like that. Or so they mentioned the lottery follows this programme, whatever it was, I, I can't quite remember. Uh, and he said, well, I think you've got more chance of winning the lottery than scoring from there or something like <laughs> that. You know, something along those lines, anyway. Uh, and. And, and, and as you say, they were so good to watch, they were fearless, absolutely fearless. And they go into the, they the, the qualify from the group and they play Inter. And again, Inter, packed full of stars, and they beat them 2-0 at Old Trafford. And and they go to San and no, I, th- I think they'd never won on an Italian ground until that win in Turin against Juventus in the semi final. But when they no, beat I... Inter, it was kind of like, oh, hang on, th- this, yeah. this is on.
0: I think the way they dealt with the second leg in in, yeah. in Milan was was huge mm. because they they're one nil down yeah in that really under the pump mm-hmm. and you're thinking extra time will they last extra time mm. and then Skulls gets the equaliser yeah and in its way if we're talking about Manchester United Champions League context that goal is as big for them as. Costinha's at Old Trafford a couple of years later <laughs> was, was for Porso. I think, yeah. you know, it was something that was absolutely vital for them. Um, but, you know, as you said, this was a, never a side that was lacking belief. I think when you look at how the Champions League was, and of course the, the Champions League in current format more or less mm-hmm. – post-European Cup, came in in the same year as the Premier League mm. in 1992. So one, it was a source of frustration for Manchester United that they couldn't do continentally what they were doing domestically. And it took them so, so long to get there because by this point, they are the preeminent force in um, English football, even if um, Arsenal are starting to to challenge them under Arsene Wenger. And the second point is... Throughout the 90s and throughout the dawn of the Champions League, um, as opposed to European Cup, Italy is at a high point. Mm-hmm. Um, Italian football is so, so good. Yeah. Um, you know, and you think of the Milan teams at the start of the decade, and you think of Milan 94, who mm-hmm. um, give one of the definitive Champions League performances against Barcelona in, in Athens, despite Barcelona being hot favorites and despite... Milan missing a couple of key players. Then you've got Lippi Juventus mm-hmm. as well, um, going into the midpoint of that period, who should have won more than the one Champions League. And at that point, it looks as if Italian clubs are going to win the Champions League mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. give or take the little, you know, Ajax Dortmund type upset. Real Madrid, yeah. Yeah. So um, for Manchester United to not just make a move to start to start dismantling that that dominance and yes i realized italian clubs went on to win again at the start of the 21st century but to chase down italian teams playing their way playing in a very cavalier way playing in a way that in many ways would have been seen as i think too open mm-hmm. naive mm. the opposite of how you expect mm-hmm. Serie A's best to manage games for them to do it in that way made it really special, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think that the first leg against Juventus in that semi-final, you thought, hang on, here we go. Manchester United versus Juventus. There was a bit of rivalry between the two. So they played each other a few times, but you thought, yeah. you thought, do you know what, this Manchester United, this team can do them. And Juventus go a goal up and it's a late goal. Uh, the Manchester United score to equalize gigs yes that's right yeah um i think sheringham had one that was offside maybe He'd scored but it was it was flagged mm. offside but you you saw manchester united and you thought oh no surely this is this not the side that's going to go on they 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 that, 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 you know, we've seen them go behind and they've come roaring back or they've they've got the goal. And the game was going on and, and I, I was a neutral. And, I, and and unless you were maybe a Liverpool or Man City fan, I think there was a lot of goodwill towards Manchester United. I, I, mm. I do. I, I don't want to be too naive there, but I genuinely think a lot of neutrals um, because of the competition, because of the nature of football back then and European football. And the game went on and you thought, oh, no, they're not oh, is this happening? And then they equalise and you think, oh, hang on. That gives them a real that gives them a real chance. Juventus have still got the away goal. So Juventus are still, you know, probably got the edge there. But you thought, okay, they're, they're still there. And then they go away to Juventus and Turin. Much has been written and said about this game. 2-0 down early on. Um, and then it would turn out Roy Keane, you know, gets his second yellow and, and misses the final, but then puts in that, that stunning performance. And when they won that game 3-2, I think for me it was kind of like, well, they've got it they're going to beat Bayern in the final, surely. Because they, to come yeah. through that incredible adversity that, that, that they had against Juventus, surely they're going to win it. But they were missing two crucial players. Now, I know Bayern were missing one or two as well, like Elbert, for example, that front, you know, huge miss for, for yeah. Bayern in the final. But to be without Skulls and Keane was massive. And he played Beckham and Butt in the centre. And Butt had done well. Uh, that season yes but Blomqvist started that final yeah that people can forget but in that final Andy you know Bayern score fairly early on and again a little bit like the Juventus game in the first leg but in a much more profound way you thought ah what a shame they've come this Mm. far it's just not clicking Bayern have got this lockdown and in fact Bayern hit the post and hit the bar on the break and Manchester United throwing t- throwing players forward, and you thought, well, if Bayern don't pick them off, then they they're they're, they're going to go down one nil. And and again, not you think, come on, let get the get the shackles off, get go. You know, you see this side like a sort of a tightly wrapped coil or something. You think, come on, where is it? And then of course they get a corner, and 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 Clive Tilsley utters the immortal words, you know, Manchester United, surely they're going to score. They always score, and lo and behold, they do, and it goes one one. And then suddenly everything changes. And when that goal goes in, you think to yourself, they'll win it in extra time. They've got them. They've absolutely got them here. And then, the, then of course, they go up the other end and they say, well, they're not going to do it again, are they? Bang. And it is, I remember running around the lounge when that went in, not knowing what to do with myself because it was the culmination of this side, never say die attitude, scoring goals, swashbuckling style, blah, blah, blah. blah. It was all that condensed into those kind of two and a half, three minutes or whatever it was in that final in the most uh, spectacular way. And rarely do you see anything like that in such an important game in football.
0: Yeah, and I think that they found that after coming back from two down against Juventus in the the semi-final Mm. in in, in the second leg at the Deli Alpi. Which again was a huge occasion because the Deli Alpi was a hated stadium by Juventus fans <laughs> and with terrible sightlines everywhere. But that that was sixty thousand in and a real atmosphere, mm. um, which you didn't even have for some of the biggest Champions League games at the Deli Alpi. They came back from that was remarkable, and it did it did feel like the champions League was too uh, the champions League final was too much for them mm. um i th- I think as you said the absences of um Keane and skulls were absolutely huge um at that point I don't think David Beckham was quite ready to play the center of midfield certainly not in a champions League final and the fact that he was in field kind of neutralized so many of the good things he could do from mm-hmm. wide areas as well um the click with Gary Neville, um, what they could offer the team defensively as well um, was, was was something that was, was kind of lost. And, you know, Bayern played pretty much all of the football and had all of the chances. It was remarkable, really. As I said, going back to the beginning, not that um, I'm saying for a minute that United didn't deserve to win the Champions League because I thought overall that mm-hmm. they were the best and the most exciting team in it to find something, to dig so deep at that moment when there must be a mm. feeling that it's not your night. Of course, George yeah. Best, the late George Best famously yeah, thought, right. Um, right, I'm off when it's 1-0. I don't want to see Bayern lifting the trophy. And uh, off, off he went and uh, left the left the camp. No. But I think when you look at what it took to get there, the comeback against Juventus, as we mm. said, what it took to take to the FA Cup, uh, get to the FA Cup final, because well, yes. the, the semi-final replay mm. against Arsenal, that is the best FA Cup match I can think of off the top of my head. And that's actually,
1: I think that's the crucial game in this season. You know, the players said mm. that after that game, it was kind of like, we are winning this league, we are winning this cup, we, we're doing it, and, and that game is absolutely crucial, and I thought we might sort of come towards the, the end of this, or perhaps on that game, because as you say, first, first game, I think, was nil-nil, perhaps. Yes. It was, it was a replay, and it was played at Villa Park.
0: Good old Villa Park FA good Cup old, semi-final. That's what you want. Absolutely right.
1: Absolutely right, Villa Park. And, uh, and they go 1-0 up with a, a great forgotten goal, actually, Beckham scored that day.
0: The thing is, it's like a free kick scored in open play. Yes. Uh, the, the, the way he gets it, and he just rolls his studs over yeah. the top of it and thinks, well, I'm good at scoring free kicks. Why don't I try <laughs> that while the game's still going on? Totally, totally.
1: Uh, so it was a great goal. And and then obviously Arsenal equalise. And then old Fizzer um, concedes a penalty in the last minute. Roy Keane's been sent off at this point, uh, I think. Mm. And Arsenal, um, I think that's right. Forgive me if that's wrong. And then Arsenal, they get the penalty. And it's Dennis Burkham taking a penalty in the last minute of an FA Cup semi-final. Arsenal fans must be going, here we go, we're on our way. And Schmeichel saves it, of course. And they say that moment when Schmeichel saved it, that was like the, the, not necessarily turning point, but that was a real catalyst. And that gives way to one of the great goals in the history of certainly the FA Cup, you could say English football, when Ryan Giggs picks up the ball. And I'd been playing for uh, uh, Leatherhead Reserves that evening, Andy. And uh, I can't remember who we played, uh, but we lost. And we 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 finished the game, got changed, and uh, went into the club room. And everybody was glued to the television. And we we're like, "What's happened?" They were like, "This is like this is unbelievable." Mm. This game. And we sat down and we were watching it. And then Giggs scored that goal, and it was just like people couldn't believe it. And it's one of those goals where even Arsenal fans were just like, "What can you say about that?" The famous celebration, and and they were away, and that game and uh, you talk about the final of the champions league and so on it, it's so that's what i mean i said at the start there's so many moments so but not just not just sort of big moments like amazing iconic profound moments yeah it's
0: it, it, it's so much happened in that season that the comeback <laughs> against spurs on the final day of the premier league season yeah. where beckham again scores a very very okay. nice equalizer before uh, cole's artful finish for the winner mm-hmm. um <laughs> the, the the thing the thing about that I think everything about that Ryan Giggs goal is so perfect even the mistake that leads up to it is perfect mm. where it, it shows everything that was brilliant about the game because Vieira tries to rake this pass across midfield yeah. and totally shanks it because everyone's put so much into it <laughs> that, that that's going to happen and from nowhere Giggs just pulls that out the bag and it's an incredible goal! as i said not just the greatest fa cup game that i can think of probably the greatest fa cup goal that i can think of Mm -hmm. and the hairiest celebration (laughs) that i've seen in professional football given that you never made it in the pro game damn
1: right i said absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant um and, uh, I mean, we, sh- we should mention briefly Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he did score the winning goal of the Champions League
0: final. Um, well, actually, I think we should mention Dennis Irwin so as not to anger Roy Keane because if you ask oh, Roy, yeah. he'd, he'd probably say that it was Dennis what won it.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, there's so many players. You know, Yap Stam, you know, having him at the back, you know. I mean, yeah. The, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the legacy of this side is quite something. Uh, I mean, the class of 92 is now a thing of legend at that club. You know, would it have been if it wasn't for this um, trouble winning side? Possibly. But this certainly uh, secured their place. But and also as well, as we say, it was the first um, European Champions League under Ferguson. It'd be what would it be? One of two. Yeah. Uh, and like uh, Lippi, there
0: should have been more.
1: Yeah, and Ferguson said that was his sort of one regret, wasn't it? As as, as a manager, he didn't win a, a more Champions Leagues, but it was this side that that put Manchester United into the bracket that they were occupied for for many many years. Some would say still do. Others a bit more worried that are they still in that kind of space? Mm. But this was the side that that took them to an international level that they'd never seen before. And and my goodness, yeah, what a pleasure, Andy, to talk about this season with you.
0: It really was i would say let's do it again but we can't do an episode twice (laughs) so we'll just pick someone else next week that will be just as exciting we promise you listeners it will be just as exciting
1: yeah absolutely well there we are thanks andy thank you thank you listeners and we'll see you next week this was a Stakhanov production
0: and part of the acast creative network